Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner, and today we have Kevin O'Neill. Kevin O'Neill is one of my favorite people on this planet. Uh, our paths have crossed and <laughs> our families have been crossing paths forever. Um, my father and his father uh, were track stars in college and yeah, they, apparently they ran against each other back in the 60s. And uh, Kevin and I have had sort of a parallel path. His path brought him to plant medicines. And uh, for many years, I got to be a part of that and really appreciate his insights. As you'll hear today, he's probably one of the most sincere people you'll ever meet. And we touch on the main subject that we get into is control. What is control? Do we have control? Um, what exactly is it that uh, is the choice when people talk about free will? And we enter into the subject matter of a spiritual black swan. A black swan event is an event that you never see coming. Uh, my favorite author of all time is Nassim Tlaib. I've read his book, Black Swan and Anti-Fragile. And as somebody that likes statistics, I, uh, I have to say, I agree with almost all that he says. So I don't want to spoil the podcast. Uh, if you like it, please share it with people. Um, everything is going really well with the podcast. I, I couldn't be happier that you guys are really getting a lot out of it. We have a bunch of them in the can and like excellent, excellent guests. So really sit back and enjoy this this podcast with Kevin. He's a he's just a wonderful person and uh, as you'll hear the heart the heart radiates through. So I'll see you on the flip side. How you doing, my man? Good, man. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast. Today we're here with my main man, Kevin O'Neill, uh, one of my oldest friends on the planet. A gentleman that has the golden touch. Everything that you've ever told me to look into, I've looked into, and now it's like a life path. <laughs> when we first met, you are like, you, you're a kid guy, aren't you? Like, you're into like, like, camping and all this stuff i was like no what's all that I'd never gear heard. gear your head you got me into making fires so then i got into rocket stoves and rocket mass heaters and you know you're the first person to introduce medicine work to me and you know got into that and ended up building like six or seven temples <laughs> awesome yeah so it's been fun to watch my man i'm so glad to have you on we have this beautiful setting here uh, we're in Uvita, Costa Rica right now, in the midst of the rainy season, very mild rainy season. Man, I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself to my audience and let them know, you know, let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I live just up the mountain from here, and for the last... 16 years, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 16 years. 
So my kids are born here. I've got two kids and that are awesome and my awesome partner mm -hmm. and managing farms for a long time and living on two different rivers mm -hmm. or three different rivers at different points and uh yeah just doing all kinds of different work in the neighborhood basically yeah yeah getting into surfing with my kids now it's a really kind of cool story like with that particular neighborhood because like when we moved down here i didn't really know what was going on <laughs> at all and you were having some travels and when you got back from your travels we found ourselves on the side of the mountain one afternoon pretty much at about i think about right around 2500 feet elevation looking down over fuente verde and then looking into the valley westward and you were you were very emotionally moved like you knew that this was home for you yeah at that point and it was a it was remarkable for me because I, you and I have always been connected like immediately. Like I can kind of feel what you're feeling. Yeah. And um, I know what you mean. Yeah. And in that moment, the sincerity of what was moving through you was so pronounced. Like I knew that that was absolutely true. Yeah, man. Shocked me. Yeah, yeah. That was really phenomenal. And ever since that point, you've somewhat become somewhat of a steward of the land. Like your love and yeah. connection for the valley, the, the Diamante Valley, just everything that burgeons out, you know, all the way down here to the Costa Ballena and like just the whole zone for you. It, it, your life's work has been kind of connecting all the power points. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a study. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. You know? Yeah, it is. But there was all these times that you had kind of described to me these, like you felt like you had kind of been here before or been here in the future. Or yeah, most it's really just like feeling so connected with the place that, that it's like uh, those friendships that happen every once in a while where there's such a level of relativity that you feel like you've known each other forever or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And so it was so, cool to feel that yeah. here out of all the different places I've been before that to come here where it's just so obviously beautiful and fun for me being a nature nut to feel that level of like home mm -hmm. arrive was very cool and still yeah. is really cool you know mm -hmm. so yeah it's been a trip it's been yeah. fun it has been it really has been so you, at least in my life, were very instrumental in, in teaching me about the connection to the more subtle spirits, the more you know, subtle friends that we have. And um, you know, we always had a running joke, as long as we know each other, you're like, want some more? <laughs> but what, where, when did that actually start for you in your life? When did you actually start to become aware that, you know, the plant and animal kingdom and the human kingdom all kind of work in unison together or can work in unison? Together? Yeah, you know, I, I think I was kind of born with it. 
or I think I, I feel like I was born with it mm -hmm. and it stayed really intact because of where the property that I was born into, the house I was born into, mm -hmm. was um, up in the Northeast in the States and it's like really beautiful and gentle nature. Mm -hmm. If you're paying a little bit of attention, it's like a pretty chill place in nature, mm -hmm. but very beautiful and lots of forest and things like that. And um, close to the coast, so there's a lot of diversity too. Mm -hmm. And we were in an old, like converted kind of corral farmhouse thing. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and so it was part of, part of a much bigger property, but we were on the high point. And mm -hmm. so from there, my parents could see out. The first big chunk of it was just like pasture grass, you mm -hmm. know, it was well kept and then a f few huge trees and then further out woods, you mm -hmm. know. And so they'd let me run off and they weren't always paying total attention. So I would make it to the forest and then, you know, between two other brothers and animals and things around, they would just- You were like, the third one. They so would just forget, yeah. you know, or whatever. I don't know what their deal was. But, You'll be fine. But, but yeah, so I was out in the woods a lot and, and it's like all my initial memories of being in the forest was like so comforting. Mm -hmm. I felt really safe and really like happy exploring. I wasn't thinking about anything else, you know? Yeah. And so in, in my, Throughout my life, I've always felt like the trees specifically are when I was a little kid were mostly because it was just there wasn't a lot of undergrowth where I was, I guess. But mm -hmm. but uh, it's like developing these friendships with the trees, you know, Yeah. and climbing in some of them. And we had swings and uh, off of one and and several that were just awesome for climbing. And so it's like, you know, you're like really in there mm -hmm. and and a lot of my time in that was alone and so as a kid you're just connecting with whatever is in your environment yeah you know, there's no separation and so that kind of continued when I when we moved to Texas we my my folks chose a neighborhood that was next to a huge forest mm -hmm. and so once I got the green light to like go off of my street on my bicycle I went straight to the forest and there was trails and it was mm -hmm. super just so you Nobody know. Nobody there, you know, miles of forest. I'm always looking for your neighborhood when I'm flying over Houston now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's like anymore. I, I, remember Cypre I remember you talking about Cypress Creek. And like, that's the main hub I fly out of now. Yeah. And so I'm always like flying over Houston. I'm like looking for, because I, I remember the stories of what you describe. So I was like, oh, is that Kevin's neighborhood? Yeah. Well, I mean, we battled with the, with the people wanting to put a road through there. You mm. know, we were like little vigilante, me and my... Friends. Nice, and we're successful for like four years, and then when we went to left after high school, most of us. Did were, I did I tell you we did out. that too, out in Plantation Acres? Oh really? Yeah, Flamingo Road. Um, we one day our forest, our Malaluca forest that we always played in. We went out there one day, and there were these stakes in the ground. There were stakes, and there were these pink ribbons. And That's we what didn't, we encountered too. And we didn't, we we're like, what's, what are these pink ribbons? And I was like, so we didn't think anything of it. And we went out the next day and my friend JJ, this little, this little Cuban kid, 
he's running and this big dude like to me that like you know 11 years old he seemed massive and he grabs jj and they're like you can't be here and then we it was like a scene from avatar we saw these big bulldozers like right like on the other side of the of the markings and before we knew it like in a couple months you know the whole six lane seven lanes of flamingo road were cut through oh wow our entire forest and then all these fishing holes that i know we, where that is yeah. yeah all these like right off maluka lanes all these fishing holes that we would go to where you could just throw a bait and bam large so mouth. Much life back there. yeah it was all gone oh. like that just so fast it was crazy it is crazy man and you know with here it's like uh from here all the really all the way up to the top ridge up to Tsudipo, there's way more trees now than there was yes at that time yeah you know like i'd say probably 40 percent mm -hmm. increase in the pasture areas where there's at least right yeah we did a podcast with uh, jenny smith of community carbon trees and she had aerial photos yeah i've of, seen some of those yeah and uh in this area in the late 70s early 80s it was pretty much bought up by wendy's and uh, wendy's and burger king were competing obviously with mcdonald's and they came in and that's when all the ida land was created and for ida essentially the the costa rican government created a, a like a a farm share type of deal where they would lease land to the Costa Ricans for 15 years if they produced plantains, bananas, uh, cattle, and coffee. And they would sell pretty much all the cattle to, um, from, an, from an international perspective to Burger King and Wendy's. And so this area now, like you were saying, is so much, so much more forested. Yeah, it's really lush. So, so as a kid in certain areas, trees that I went to, you know, at t for months at a time daily, mm -hmm. it's like developing these, these friendships and the, and the sense of like, I want to protect you, mm -hmm. you know, because when I, I, I felt so threatened when I saw those ribbons in our neighborhood, mm -hmm. we tore them all down immediately. Mm -hmm. And then they put them back up and we tore them all down again mm -hmm. and stakes and stuff. And we threw them all over the place. And, uh, and when we realized that that's what, what was happening and, you know, I'm not saying anybody should or shouldn't do this, but, uh, <laughs> but, but when we realized that, that, that they were like really on it and, and did some research to understand they were going to put a big road through there with a bridge over mm -hmm. the Creek and it's like forest, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so we just went, we took turns going every day. And, and then it dissolved and then like a year later they did another one and we did it again. And then, mm -hmm. So we made it through high school with our woods intact ah, and getting goodness. to have like the coolest playground. And um, you had like a lot of initiation experiences out in those woods, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like extremely into basketball mm -hmm. and like always I had to, you know, put a rack on the back of my mountain bike uh -huh. just for the basketball yeah 
and so everywhere I went, I had a basketball. If I wasn't on my bike, I was running with a ball, bouncing the ball or whatever. And so we did some like pretty intensive, non-traditional kinds of training stuff to get a different sort of mental edge and get through the the, the pain body, you know. Yeah. And um, the first one in that forest was cool. That I'm okay to share it. It was like. You, you take the ball, and it's it's subtropical, so it's a lot of mosquitoes at sunset, right? Mm -hmm. Big ones, you know. It's worse than here. Yeah. And so you take the ball, and we would duct tape the the hands around the basketball, and you have to hold the basketball above your head, mm -hmm. and then duct tape the ankles together, right? And a couple times we also used rope just to make it more uncomfortable. Yeah. You know. Duct tape the ankles fully tight, no. No wiggle. No wiggle. And wait till just before sunset. And the paths were pretty flat. You know, Houston's really flat. And we were 40 miles from Houston or whatever. And, but there's lots of roots. It's old trees, you know. So mm -hmm. there's lots of roots and just like little uneven areas and rocks and stuff. And so you had to hop mm -hmm. for to a certain point if you're like going at a really good clip it'd take you 20 minutes if you're slow it'd take you 30 minutes mm -hmm. and but it's extremely strenuous you mm -hmm. know and you're already sweating it's 100 degrees anyway yeah. and the hottest place i've ever been in my life yeah and, and just the, the the level of moisture and mm -hmm. so if the ball if the bottom of the ball comes to to touch the head or below the level of the head. So if it comes in front of you or behind you or whatever, then the other bro that was with me, sometimes there was three of us that were on my, our, our team, our high school team. And uh, they would have a ball mm -hmm. that was like very well inflated, mm -hmm. you know? And if the ball, if you drop the ball to that point, they could take the ball and throw it at you anywhere besides your face or your genitals mm -hmm. as hard as they wanted. Oof. And you had to hold your hands up. If you had your hands fall down again, then it was another one. Right? Oh. And so, and you had to stop yes. so they could aim, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we usually had an agreement that it had to be a chest pass and you got to like get your game on to make it the chest pass really strong and hit, hit him in the belly, right? Yeah. So you do that. And then once you went for, it's usually about a half an hour by the time you actually stop. Then you have to hold the ball over your head, can't let the ball come down, be still mm -hmm. for another 15 minutes with your arms up. Mm -hmm. Which, just holding your That's arms up brutal. at all, uh, 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 but, but the goal was to be straight. Mm -hmm. And so, again, if it came down, they could wail on you, mm -hmm. you know? So, that was the kind of crazy shit we were doing for basketball yeah yeah you know? so when you're in a nice air conditioned court yeah you know like, oh this is like so easy yeah. like being in a spaceship so our team was good it was really fun yeah. yeah and the other guys that those two guys that i'm thinking of right now were also like totally into being in the forest you know mm -hmm. and we would go camping when we had we'd go camping back there we'd mm -hmm. go camping in different places when we had time off from school or sports or whatever. And so to, uh, you know, th later in life living in Europe and different really beautiful places and beautiful places in the States and then coming here 
and realizing, oh, okay, I'm home now. And like for the first time in my life feeling like I'm, I'm going to root down here mm -hmm. and just stay, mm -hmm. you know, and felt really grateful to, for that to be happening. Here, right. You know, and, uh, and so then getting to fall in love with a new forest and new mm -hmm. super beautiful rivers, you know, which mm -hmm. is like dream country for me. Yeah. Um, has been really cool. And with that, you know, paying, just paying really close attention to the land and the movement of the water and, and the signs from the indigenous that lived in our region in the past and tuning into what's going on and having guidance from other mm -hmm. current people that live, you know, indigenous that live way in the middle of mm -hmm. their territories um, and nobody messing with them. Mm -hmm. And then having some of them come and visit these places with me and share their interpretations mm -hmm. has been really fun. It's been really cool. And it's very like affirming of, uh, it, it's helped me to, to trust my intuition. Mm -hmm. And then some of, some of the folks are also just like expanding on it with all kinds of cool things mm -hmm. because there's carvings and different things that are mm -hmm. kind of like a new language, but they're not, it's, it's us, you mm -hmm. know? And so, it's really cool. It's really humbling too to 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 recognize like the the, the place that's in the middle of the valley, right? Mm -hmm. The Vita land where it's like this is where they came to observe the stars. These are the stars that are influencing our home. Mm -hmm. And here's where the waters are. Here's where the springs are. And then the 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 influence of the celestial bodies on those places. Mm -hmm and the particular animals that are um, a more prevalent or dominant energy are also represented, mm -hmm. you know? And so to be getting symbols from those places, those specific sites, and from the animals, the animals is really cool, mm -hmm. you know, it's really fun. Yeah, that makes me think, because the zodiac is the Maseroth, it's a zoo. Like when you go through it. Yeah. So yeah. the energy, you know, you know, we call it cancer now, but it used to be called the crab. Yeah. But yeah, the crab, the lion, the virgin, the scales, like these are, you know, the bull, the ram, like there were these energies that are, you know, along the ecliptic and that's so cool. Yeah. So, and, and it's neat, you know, it's neat to. I wanted to ask you because I know your level of observation is so high and this is the way I liken this place to me. Costa Rica really taught me a lot about the moon energy. The yeah, la, so strong the, La Luna. Have you found out of all the places that you've lived and that you, at least when you were paying attention, that the, the, the lunar energy here is, is much more pronounced than other areas? For sure. Um, with that, it's like I've been here a long time and I've been paying more and more and more and more attention. So, yeah, but I, I travel some and I think it's really just the amount of water that's moving under the ground all the time, even mm -hmm. in the dry season mm -hmm. in combination with. I don't I'm not really sure, mm -hmm. you know, maybe being just where we're located and and the unique qualities of the place being mm -hmm. so narrow and yet so vertical that like mm -hmm. and being between two massive yeah oceans yeah 
And so it's like a really wonderful school for Earth mm -hmm. because you have all these different forces that are so coming into to each other mm -hmm. here. Right. You know, and different climates. You know, mm -hmm. you drive for an hour and it's a totally different. Yeah. Everything's totally different. Yes. Know? And still really lush, but with the, the amount of life, it's like really giving you what it's like yeah. to have this climate, you mm -hmm. know? Whereas in other places it may be more dispersed or developed or whatever. And here it's just the nature is so constantly communicative and mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to miss it, you know? Yeah. So if you're paying attention, the level of diversity, there's just, a, there's just more communication happening. I mm -hmm. think. You know, from a nature perspective. And if, you know, I have to say, and I'm, I'm sorry if I keep butting in, but that's where I have derived so much in our friendship is actually, I consider you a master communicator. Because you, in communication mostly is listening. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> like 90% of communication is like actually hearing and in rightly interpreting the signaling that you're receiving and that's something as as a, as a third party to you and your experience of watching that i've been like i've gained so much from that and when you're constantly in such an alive environment and it's signaling you in so many different ways and then at the same time, you have certain practices that you do that allow you to like amplify the signal yeah. that's coming in. Like, would you mind like expounding upon that at all? Um, it's really fun, you know, because of the diversity, there's so many different ways that it can present. Yes. And so, you know, I feel like it's all somehow a reflection. I'm super into birds and like how mm -hmm. beautifully and diversely they can communicate with us. Mm. And there's so many different kinds of birds here. And so over the years, it's like certain birds carry a particular vibe or tone or have a, a, a meaning to me. Yeah. Or maybe represent another person that I have a relationship with or this one represents, you know, this sun and the, you know, mm -hmm. these different things or a shift in the weather or a response to a particular question and which bird shows up mm -hmm. and the, the qualities that they have. Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and so that, that's one element. And then within that, it's like when I was like in my early, maybe 30, early thirties, is like coming back around to also these different power plants that I had explored and in a, in a, I was introduced to them in a really cool way as a, as a young man and very intentional and very like excellent container of safety and intelligent, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it's really, really clean, good, excellent experiences. And so then coming back around to that later in life after not having any anything like that and living in a place where you know 
everything has its own frequency that adjusts our frequency if we ingest it or if we meditate on it or think about it or whatever, you know? And so there's like levels of adjustment that go with how deeply we, or intimately we may mm -hmm. connect with it. Right. You know? And so given my experience as a kid with just trees and like feeling this relationship and feeling different when I'm around certain trees and then, and then going into these like power plants, teacher plants, you know, there's mm -hmm. all these different names for it, medicines, whatever. And having a chance to work with them as a plant and also like, you know, planting and getting to know them in the physical and then ingesting with the intention for me of just like, if there's anything that's really practical for me to know that's gonna help me know myself or be of service, I'm down. Mm -hmm. The rest of the stuff, it's not really what I'm, I'm not looking for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing, then I just wanna be nothing, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's really ultimately it. And here and there, there's really practical things that come up to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things are very clearly, like clear instructions in how to give to Mother Earth in a way that's gonna amplify the positive qualities within my life. And usually like in really cool ways with the way the nature responds, right. you know, with how she shows appreciation basically mm -hmm. and and then and and so with that you know and uh, recognizing when i was first arriving here that like oh wow like i feel this like innate sense of care and like kind of guardianship over the this area mm -hmm. you know and so for me, when there's questions, it's like looking for guidance on how to make it the, the best, most harmonious, healthy, safe um, environment possible. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I can do other than just like being in tune with myself, you know, if there's an, a an action to take or anything, then I'm, I'm down. Mm -hmm. Or something to say to somebody that's building things, right? Yeah. Whatever. And and all the while learning more around gardening and farming and all these things from really amazing people here. And so the, the combination of those things, but primarily through the plants and direct instruction from these, you know, kind of the divine, the ways that our, our divine intelligence can manifest. Mm -hmm. um, like receiving different recipes in mm -hmm. order to, it, it's making an offering to the land, but it, and it's not just like a heart offering. It's like, this is a, a alchemical blend of like the, the essence, the spiritual, the mechanical, physical, mm -hmm. and like imbue that with a prayer or a vision or whatever it is that to, to see how that will manifest mm -hmm. and certain substances have the capacity to change the magnetics or change the frequency of a place that can throw it off or enhance her natural shine basically mm -hmm. you know and so this is our mother what what is the most fierce 
of any animal or plant it's on the, the planet mama. is the mama, right? She's yep. going to protect us. And so with this, what I learned is, is, is like, I wasn't uh, coming into that study. It's like I started getting cues like a little bit at a time, sometimes just a visual thing. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple of years of the same sort of visual thing arriving for me, like a, a like a dream state, vision state, mm -hmm. um, then and being very curious because of the beauty and the frequency that I felt with it was excellent, mm -hmm. you know. Then I realized, okay, this isn't just about enhancement. This is also uh, protection from what I, don't, you know, I don't know, but that that's part of the function of this sort of recipe that was given bit by bit over years and then ultimately came with like, hey, go get your pen and paper and write all this stuff down. And I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. explicit instructions, you know, mm -hmm. very clear. Some of it, I had no idea what it was, what it was. Some of it was drawings, usually with words. And, and so with that, I got like, a confirmation that, that that was great from these Bhutanese monks, actually, initially, which was really cool because they're really cool. And, um, and I feel like it might have been associated with their, their prayer at the land that I was on, which, which was like carrying all the, this, this stupa, which is like a meditation pillar. Mm -hmm. And inside of the stupa are all their scrolls, prayers, crystals, music, school, farming, like all the practical information mm -hmm. for a good life, you know? And anyway, so I got a confirmation from, from these two guys that I had meditated with at their stupa that what you got with caring for the land, keep doing that, do it, you know? And with that, it reminded me of the message that came with the recipe, which is, this is the most important thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So, I'm like, you know, I've heard a lot of people share things with me like, wow, the work that you're doing is so important, you know? And so to get that, I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. cool. And I felt also like a, a sense of like, I, urgency yeah definitely you know what i'm saying and going backwards a little bit the initial visions were with no information just an image of like a rainbow a, a, a trans basically transparent but you could see this this rainbow dome over the land and mm -hmm. the place where i now live and then i saw another one form and then another one form, and then up on the ridge, another one, and then two more on the ridge, and then all of a sudden over the whole region, this giant bubble, mm -hmm. you know, almost like a soap bubble with all of the colors. Yeah. And, and then it disappeared. Six months later, same thing. And ultimately, it, it, uh, I was like, well, you know, seems like there's something to do here. Don't know exactly what that is. And, but I, it resonated with me with biodynamic farming, mm -hmm. like that clicked into my mind the next day. And so 
that was 10 plus years ago. And so I looked online at biodynamic farms on the west coast of the United States because I knew that Fukushima was hitting Mm -hmm. the, the, the toxicity from Fukushima apparently was coming up onto the coast and everything was like totally radiated, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I looked it up and it showed this, this uh, thing on Google. I ended up hitting, hitting on it and it shows these different conventional farms right on the coast mm -hmm. in NorCal, right? And then in between, it's like big conventional farm, another conventional farm, little biodynamic farm right on the coast. Mm -hmm. The conventional farm here and the conventional farm here have between 850 and 950 times the healthy amount of radiation in the soil. Oof. It was like slamming the coast, you know, mm -hmm. all the way up through uh, Canada. And the biodynamic farm was below normal healthy levels of radiation. I don't know what's, <laughs> what's healthy when it comes to radiation, you know? Yeah. But it was below normal levels at the same time, mm -hmm. same test. And it was on the ocean. Yeah. So that really impacted me. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find that since, but I haven't really looked for a long time. I just got on, I got the recipe shown to me and then started, you know? We don't live right on the coast, but we got our, you know, life, the is happening yeah and so the the you know i can share in more detail with the piece of paper and stuff like that in the future so you can share but it's like utilizing carbon mm -hmm. uh compost tea with all kinds of different things so we would get the mycelium from the lower layer of leaf material where it starts to get wet and you have that white layer yeah get that out of the forest of forest microorganisms mm -hmm. and um we would get water from each of the rivers in the valley and spring from the farm and filled up a huge tank and put the different materials and different herbs from each of our farms that are really cared for into the mix and the base of the tank is a whole bunch of biochar mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of crystals, specifically clear quartz crystals. Mm -hmm. And before we put the crystals in there, we had the other material in there for a while. And before we put the crystals in there, we brought them up to the most pristine place up on the mountain, got them in the water in the full moon. And then after that, put them in the uh, like temple space mm -hmm. and shared a prayer to imbue the data, right? Mm -hmm. So my interpretation with this process is that the, those types of crystals are like a data stick, a mm -hmm. memory stick. And the memory of the earth is carried through the water. And mm -hmm. so we brought it to the most precious water, the heart center of the region and connected it in there to bring that pristine memory mm -hmm. first, wash out anything that wasn't that, and then our prayer for safety, sovereignty, harmony, you know, good relationships, integrity, accountability, and beauty, you know, mm -hmm. health, all the things that all of us want and freedom, you know, sovereignty. And so then we put the crystals in and then we add 
uh, a blend of plant medicine that a lot of us made together, specifically, uh, primarily as an offering, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a lot of work. So it's a lot of attention and a lot of like prayer and but not, not so much, just more just presence, mm -hmm. just silence, a lot of silence. And if there's, when that's happening, if there's anything to break the silence, it's music, mm -hmm. beautiful music right. that we share together. And, and then we take the carbon and we go to the sacred sites, heart centers of really special places. And so we initiated that by doing it in the central point, mm -hmm. which is very obviously charged, beautiful spot. And we set one that's in the center point and then equidistant from the center point uh, at the four directions, mm -hmm. four other holes a meter deep, right? Okay. And, and like about as big around as a five gallon bucket. Nice. Also manos. We had 30-something people there, kids, animals, everybody brought flowers and different things to, that were fresh to put into the, the liquids. Yeah. And so we, we, we brought all the liquids and had to hike it all up to the first place, you know, mm -hmm. and had a big 50-gallon barrel with all the liquids in there and the carbon and everything, mm -hmm. and, and then had a bunch of the crystals separated, bigger ones, more juicy ones mm -hmm. that uh, that we would place in with our hands right and so we gave a lot of the crystals to kids and we did the first one in the center and we put carbon down and then put a, a good size crystal mm -hmm. and uh, and while all this is happening people are taking turns stirring the liquid just like you do in the biodynamic yeah. prep just everybody's taking turns we had 33 people everybody went all uh -oh. the kids went 33 yeah <laughs> just that's what happened yeah and so everybody went and either were singing or just in silence always uh at a good clip mm -hmm. right so before we put it before we brought it there we had it in a bubbler oxygenating everything keeping yeah. it alive and uh, and then stir it to bring in each person's prayer. Everybody was living in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. And and then we layer the carbon, crystal, earth. Carbon, crystal, earth. Carbon, crystal, earth. Cover it. Pour in the liquid, and mm -hmm. and within it was like also all these little smaller crystals. Mm -hmm also clear quartz, like little star seeds, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then pour the liquid on, and that sets it. The, the alchemy of the liquid hitting the carbon and the earth in these spots was like, kind of a, tan it, it was a tangible feeling that everybody expressed afterwards of like this mm -hmm. like, oh, <gasps> wow, that's nice, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when it's super hot and you get this like cool breeze come through, it's like that, like, wow, just really pleasant. And then in the center one, we covered it and we built a fire. Ah. Right, immediately. And, it, and that one was soaked also. So you had the water and the fire together. Yeah. Nice. And so 
we lit the fire and then we went about setting the ones in the fort. We, we lit the fire and we all shared a, 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 a prayer, mm -hmm. which is basically what I shared around sovereignty and all these maybe number of qualities, mm -hmm. brief, clear thing. Stayed in silence for a little bit and then we set the other four with super good vibes, you know, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And on top of each one we set different stones to demarcate the space so that when you go there it's it's setting your mind as awareness of like mm -hmm. the amount of attention that's embedded in the earth here from all these different people, mm -hmm. you know? And and then we expanded on that and it was at the solstice, right? So we did it the day before the solstice so that when the sun rises for the solstice, this is already in the earth. Her offering is blossoming. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there was hundreds of gallons of the liquid and way more carbon than what was needed for that spot. So then I went to the, our other farm in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And before that, though, distributed all this material to like farm owners of 15 different farms mm -hmm. in the neighborhood with the crystals, the whole thing. And everybody did that in the yeah. afternoon. My farm was one of them. Yeah. yeah, everybody did that in the afternoon according to their place. Mm -hmm. Where's the heart center? Where's the, right? And and so that is a, is a practice that's meant to be like the, an initial template that is expanded on throughout our time on that land, on that part of the earth, mm -hmm. you know? And each place that we, it's a lot of work, you know? Like yeah. the preparation of those things and creating the time and the organization to have it be, you know, really cool. And ultimately it's like the thing, some of the things that we put in there is like things we really want for ourselves. Right. You know, there's a, like for me, there was definite attachment with certain things that came up and it's like, oh, that's what offering is. Mm -hmm. is, get, is this is what, 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 the best. Give her the best. This is mm -hmm. your mom, you know. And, and she's always providing us with such, with everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, give her the best and, and it just will, she'll give you more, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's, it's infinite supply. And so that creates uh, uh, the, the carbon tubes. Mm -hmm. create a magnetic shift mm -hmm. for one that's a tan like you can check data when checking the magnetics of areas for, for that right mm -hmm. and then the crystals it, this is my interpretation you know it, 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 the, the crystals are sending that signal that you have all these elements Right? You have all the elements represented and then the carbon, the, so the carbon is the base that's like slowly, slowly, slowly distributing this, like this incredible long-term battery of force that's moving. Mm -hmm. and, it, and the carbon is also a, um, it's not just absorption from its immediate environment. It's sending a signal into the atmosphere to draw minerals from the sky, from the stars, from the atmosphere mm -hmm. into these places as a nutrient-rich place. Mm -hmm. And so part of the nutrient that's gone into it is our love. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best nutrient for yeah. all of us. And so those crystals 
are imbued with that prayer for this like loving relationship with everything, mm -hmm. you know? And so that is like slowly, you know, the initial thing is like, like we're, we're the, 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 the channel is, is unbroken. Yes. Right. And so that once that signal is like goes from being stuttered to my senses, when that hits a certain frequency, that auric field of beauty and protection and lushness within inside of it is established. Right. And sometimes we're flittering with it. Some places are it's, it's totally non-existent. And and so in the places where we live really every place, you know, and that's what the initial teaching for me was, was like, you don't have to like change your neighbor, mm -hmm. take care of your home. Yeah. You know, be in good relationship, but you don't have to change anybody. Just love up the place to such an extent that anything that doesn't match that is going to end up under that larger umbrella when you have enough points, mm -hmm. right? So in the images, it was like for our little area, which is a valley, so it's like really contained. It was like six points created this mm -hmm. six. It's yeah. a huge area. It was like six farms, yeah. And and so with that, it's an ongoing study. It's like not. It's never done. Mm -hmm. It's just meant, in my interpretation, to be incorporated into a lifestyle that's set to the rhythms of the earth with the solstices and the equinox being your primary points. And then ideally a little bit of every day is at least acknowledging and giving thanks for her and doing something to show that, you know? Yeah. It could just be really enjoying everything, mm -hmm. being really grateful. And then other times it's more like active, physical, intentional work. Yeah. Yeah, it's really gratifying to do that anyway, whether you're doing these grid sort of things or not. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, I think it, it's the we are that uh, battery. Yeah. We are that tunnel of carbon and mm -hmm. minerals and crystal. And, and so the first place to do it is inside our, our own body and our heart and our mm -hmm. consciousness and our thoughts, you know. One thing that you had brought up to me. Um, was that it's very powerful to walk the perimeter line of your farm and go to the what whatever whatever the shape of your farm is or your land it doesn't need to be a farm but your land and, and make sure you yeah it can be a neighborhood lot yeah or it can be an apartment with a tiny green space you know yeah and you go and you make sure you go to the corners of it and establish, you know, if you have enough carbon, establish a, a, a... Yeah, for sure. And so, so yeah, what I initially shared is, is like, the, the initial stamp of, like, this is what we, we want here. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing here. Right. And, and then with that, from there, depending on the size of your land, there may be several points that are like that, you know? And then going to the entry points... Mm -hmm. If you got a road coming in, go to either side of the road. Anything that passes through here, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like a video game. Yeah. You know? mm. And and then the where the four directions hit the borders of your property. Mm -hmm. 
where there's water running your property, make an offering right at the the top of the stream or whatever mm -hmm. it is, or into the water, and um, and then utilize the plants also as like keepers. Mm -hmm. You know, every every plant's got a different kind of energy, and some of them are like really wise guardians that will like emit this frequency that if somebody's not in tune with that mm -hmm. level of consciousness they might not even notice that your farm exists right you know it's just like not happening mm -hmm. you know and so you know you get the gist of it you, you, you expand on that and and at that point what I feel like a big um, benefit of that is you, through the practice, naturally become more aware of the subtle. Mm -hmm. And and the way to tune into it is to get out of my head and get into just like deep relaxation and observation, mm -hmm. you know? And in the observation without the so much analytical you know, analysis happening, mm -hmm. like in the cognitive realm, but just the realm of feeling and and seeing, then listening, you know, just like softening everything to be able to kind of merge with the environment mm -hmm. and feel where things are really humming and where there's something maybe a little bit off mm -hmm. and give attention to the places that are asking for it, you mm -hmm. know. And sometimes it's unique because sometimes it's like, don't actually give attention to that place, give attention to this place and it will light up the whole area. Right. You know, so depending on how much time you have, you, you act accordingly for efficiency with your, your time management. You know? mm -hmm. So um, ideally, it's like we do that where, well, I do that where I live and then include some of my friends and then I fr go to their place so that we're all recognizing that this is all everybody's and we're showing up with the same heart the same sincerity in each place mm -hmm. we want good things for all of our people mm -hmm. you know and so it's it's cool you know i i found the the practices to be like it's all an experiment you know yeah and how do you how do you do the ritual no, I've never seen or heard of anybody doing something quite like that before. Mm -hmm. So it was just like listening and going, okay, and writing some stuff down. And then, and then with that, like just being as sincere as possible. That's it. No performance, just real, like get into the present sincerity and don't have to know. You don't have to know. Mm -hmm. I don't have to know. I just need to be like real, mm -hmm. you know? And it's your mom, so like that's what she wants, and she can tell, she can feel it. Yeah. Know? And so it's kind of a mystery, and and um, and at the same time, things have been pretty sweet from in regards to those definitely qualities. Can I, can I get a little nerdy with you? Let's get nerdy, because <laughs> you know I have to get a little analytical. So I'm down. I, but a big part of this process for me was is just like the impersonal mechanics. Yes. 
and I just, it's so humbling and so just like, yeah, whatever you think, whatever, this is what's actually happening. Yeah. You can think or respond however you want. This is what's going on, you know? Well, literally anything that you've ever told me, I've taken to heart and really like heard you. So like, you're the one that got me in the caves, all, <laughs> like all of it. So like, and now I live over the mammoth cave system. Like, it's just like, okay. Awesome. So in making biochar and making biochar at a pretty high level now, um, Awesome. The science of it. Good job. <laughs> For those of you out there that don't know, biochar is pyrolyzed carbon. So you're talking about the magnetics of it. Yeah. Do you know biochar is the most diamagnetically charged particle that there is that we know of? I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Just the 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 importance of that in the recipe that I got was yeah. like what I, what I actually saw, just to give a little more context and then we'll go back, is like not just the central point with the four directions. Mm -hmm. You know my farm, right? It's mm -hmm. like 15 acres more or less. Yeah. It was like all over the place. Yeah. And when I thought about it, it's like, oh, these are the places that I've always planned to do more intensive planting or just be more intensively associated with the land. Mm -hmm. And there's other areas where it's like, it's really slopey and awkward, so it's like let's just let that mm -hmm. put a couple some trees in there and let it do its thing, mm -hmm. you know. And those are the areas where it's like carbon, mm -hmm. you know. So, go ahead. So, carbon. Anything that's pyrolyzed, when it's pyrolyzed, all the volatiles are released without oxygen. That's what it means. So what occurs is the, the carbon matrix that's left over is highly, highly, highly perforated, but it's hydrophobic. Now this is very, very weird. So you could take pyrolyzed carbon and water does not, does not want to be absorbed into the carbon. No, but, man, when we soaked it in the, the thing for days, yeah. It came out and was like so light like that. Yeah. It was so buoyant and it's beautiful stuff. So there's this very interesting thing that occurs though with water is water will automatically structure itself to the highest level when it goes over something that's semi-permeable. So you take one square centimeter of carbon and there's like trillions of holes in it. So the water starts to go through it. It doesn't want to go into the carbon. It wants to go through it. So what does that do to the water? It structures, awesome. it, structures it. And it, as Gerald Pollack would say, it makes it exclusion zone water. Well, what is exclusion zone water? It's exactly how information travels through our body. We now know that we don't have a nervous system like it was told to us in the sense that we have these like you know, lines of material and the signals have to go like billiard balls through your body. We know life happens much faster than that. The true signaling system in your body, especially let, like let's just use our, our skin for example, there we have a fascia and that fascia is semi-permeable and the blood plasma moves through that and it creates an, a line of exclusion zone water. 
that exclusions on water is a superconductor, which means there's instantaneous information transfer with zero latency and zero loss. Now life starts to make more sense. So now we're understanding like you put carbon in the ground or you even do like a top cover or whatever, at a bare minimum, the water that's going over that is now becoming a superconductor. And like you said earlier, it's the memory. So now you have a superconductive memory of pristine, more pristine times. Mm -hmm. And diamagnetism is incredible because, you know, water is a dipolar molecule. So it acts like a magnet. It has a north and a south to it. And so that's why we'll get lightning when we have raindrops falling is because that's like a little magneto that's spinning in the air that creates a charge. You get a charge when it's going through carbon. And because the carbon, especially biochar, is so diamagnetically charged, that water becomes even more of a dipole. It becomes even a higher valence of energy. And so it's just remarkable. I mean, that's why it's like, the first thing that they'll put in your body if you're under toxic shock, you know, they're not taking like some crazy pharmaceutical. They're just taking you charcoal. Know, charcoal. Well, it's not charcoal. It's pyrolyzed carbon. Yeah. It's uh, what do they call it? Pyrolyzed carbon, and uh, I'm forgetting the name that they use at the hospitals. But it's not charcoal because charcoal doesn't have the same diamagnetic charge. Because charcoal is actually, because it's been oxidized by oxygen during its charring process, it doesn't have the same level. It's like, it's a, they, depending on how it's made, it's between one-fifth to one-sixth the amount of diamagnetic charge. Real biochar, like the real stuff, like what they found in Brazil, the Terra Preta and all that, mm -hmm. it's like three times as diamagnetic as bismuth. And bismuth is the most diamagnetic metal that there is. Wow. Yeah. And so one thing, like, they're able to put, like, like a, f a few microns thick worth of biochar, like, powder in paint and have it block EMF. Yeah, yeah. Like, all these EMF paints, they use, like, next to no biochar in their paint, and it still completely blocks the EMF. That's so cool. Yeah. And so what does that do for our plants, too? Like, any of the biological life where you have this carbon that not only acts as a superconductor to the telluric currents, but then also completely reflects all the artificial signals. It's like, you, it, it looks the same as what everybody else is doing, but it's actually, you know, receiving that pristine signal. Yeah, that's what, that's what you know, that's what I feel on our farm. Yeah. It's like, just walking through the gate and my system goes to another level of like softness mm -hmm. you know and that makes a lot of sense because it's, it's all water that's mm -hmm. the life giver you know and so the communication is online immediately mm -hmm. you know and and whatever other frequencies are part of that it's like it's really healthy yeah you know and I never really thought about the filtration quality, but that makes a lot of sense, especially with as much water's coming down at times of the year here mm -hmm. and, and my proximity to the 
really all of our land's proximity to the rivers and creeks, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to like flush the water from the sky through that mm -hmm. filtration is it's awesome. magnificent. You know? Yeah. So it's cool. I, I, I've, I've witnessed on our farm the, the, even with less rainfall, the little creeks mm -hmm. last year ran for the full, whole summer mm -hmm. to some degree for the first time. Mm -hmm. And at least since I got there, you mm -hmm. know, the, for the first three years, it was two months dry, mm -hmm. you know. And last year it made it all the way through with less rainfall at that time of year. And so, you know, just like we experienced in uh, Central Texas, mm -hmm. it's like these, these rituals, these offerings, these practices, whatever you want to call it, are a demonstration of our love mm -hmm. with a high degree of intelligence. Yeah. It helps. Yeah, it does. Know? And so some of it's just through exchange. Some of it comes to different people intuitively or in unique ways mm -hmm. but the whole that doesn't matter the point is to do these things right you know and and with the water my you know you know me man i'm water like yes. everywhere i've lived is like on some sort of awesome water thankfully my favorite scorpio and and so it's just such an incredible teacher mm -hmm. you know to look at it without thinking and then see that everything becomes more liquidy after just connecting with the water. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? Yes. And you look in the bubbles and mm -hmm. then you look around and everything's sort of liquid. And and so it's such a wonderful teacher of the, the malleability of, of every, all things. Yeah. Right? And getting out of my head into realizing like, okay, this is a, a much more flexible uh, realm mm -hmm. than than what at least I've been programmed to think. You right. Know? And how do you care for the water? Obviously, we can do different things. Stop doing certain things. Do other things for filtration for all that. Mm -hmm. All those things are a demonstration of the love. The water grows with love, mm -hmm. and so intelligent practice with with loving intention. Mm -hmm. It's like what you're saying. I could. It's, it's, it makes sense that the water moving through these carbon channels um, then go into the river, and the river feels like that yeah. that like boost of of nutritive positive mm -hmm. energy. And plus the, the the scientific way of saying that, whatever yeah. that would be exactly, and and so it creates expansion, mm -hmm. you know, and obviously we need the waters in the best quality possible for mm -hmm. our human existence. Yeah. Know? I mean, you know, ever since I came across Shaw Burger, I was hooked. <laughs> like, had, like, absolutely hooked. And I ended up um, geeking really hard on how to do water purification. I found that the most easiest way was magnets and biochar and intention you know intention goes a long way yeah you know make you can make your own holy water just with the sincerity of like honoring it for what it is but on another nerdy level of this is 
the fluid of water, like the if you, if you could break water down to a m molecule, if you could, I don't I don't know how possible that actually is, but if you could break it down to you know what we've always been told, you know, H two O, the geometry between the hydrogen and the atoms is known, or the hydrogen and the oxygen is that is known as the only incommensurate geometry that there is now the way the best way i've been able to like make the 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 term incommensurate make any sense is is if you divide it it creates itself no matter how much you divide it so it's a fractal of itself within yeah. itself and every any portion of that it creates itself all over again well that's pretty much how you would define what a hologram is. And to think that this is a fluid reality, like we live in a fluid, like you and I seem solid, you know, and we're in, we're in, we occupy volume that seems like it's empty, but we know, especially here with the humidity. Yeah, that, it's that, more obvious here that it's, moving around and stuff but it's literally we're solid we're fluids appearing as solids with an even a, a greater fluid reality and it just so happens to be that the memory the the distributor of memory in that which we're calling water just happens to be holographic in nature begs the question eh <laughs> like it's absolutely magnificent and i don't think i've met anybody that has has really deeply connected with water on any level where they don't have a, a more of a connection to their environment one way or another yeah you know i have i have peers and friends that don't really their, their constitution isn't water, you know, their constitution is more fire or earth or whatever. I've massaged tons of people that are like all earth or all fire and they're kind of, they're kind of oblivious to memory, if that makes sense. The, the holographic nature of, of the realm really isn't known to them. At least they haven't expressed it to me in any way that's been meaningful. So I just find it just absolutely stunning. Like when you get down to it, if you want to do the nuts and bolts of it is like, if you were to say that this is a holographic universe, just so happens the thing that gives us life and memory is, is like quite literally the only holographic geometry that there is. It's like the, the screen for all of it. Exactly. And that's why, you know, like going to the desert, like what's so appealing about the desert? To me, the few times I've been in desert-like environments is there's no memory. Like for me, like I'm full of water, <laughs> like I'm water signs out the wazoo. And I go to the desert and the reason why I love that dry environment is one, I feel like I can hear forever. Like, I feel like I can just hear something, you know, a thousand miles away. 
in that it's that like deafening silence. Yeah, the stillness. It's also memory. There's like, at least a few, like the times I've been in it, I, I'm not really accessing memory. That's cool. Yeah. That's the one kind of environment that I still crave is like high desert. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pretty satiated here with the nature. Yeah. But I love being in the high desert for that to yeah. just the emptiness kind well, of energy. I mean, you you had introduced to me peyote, and we were in in central Texas, in the hill country, and you know, you had pre-framed me a little bit of the difference between that and Aya, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you introduced that to me also, and. In that thing, what I noticed was about midway through the sweat, I felt all the alkalinity in my system hit. Like I felt it just going through my system. By the time my system had completely alkalized, the silence, it was finally Ramana, Ramana Maharshi's words made sense to me. Because Ramana Maharshi... He talked? <laughs> every 17 years every 17 years he, he would just like say something so people would like leave him alone for another 17 years but you know he's like you know silence is the best teacher and I could never relate to that when I first came across his work I was like you know total in my head thinking and yeah. experiencing and then it was like literally having to be in a sweat lodge dying <laughs> with a big button of peyote in my system and then it was like after that power down the death star power down of the, <laughs> that's what it felt like it felt like because <laughs> i could feel it actually coursing through me and as it was coursing through me it was just like you know just it was just hushing everything hu hushing it and i just remember at the end of that you know like I'm not projecting. I'm not projecting. There's no there like in retrospect I had to tell myself I wasn't projecting. Yeah. In the moment, uh, that wasn't You're even not projecting, there. Yeah. <laughs> and so then there is that like full silence in my system and then like then being aware of the beings that were around at that vibratory and they were silent, but they were there. You know. We didn't see the blue deer that night. We saw the blue man. <laughs> that was wild. I guess he's a man. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the form. Blue, blue guy. Blue guy. But uh, that, that, what I was trying to bring up was the sense of like, in, that was a pretty dry, arid environment. Super, yeah. And it was like, I always tell people my, like the way my constitution is, I really prefer that type of work where I get quieted down. Yeah. More so than like, I had found like Aya as the jungle, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like, turn up the volume all the way and then you end up in silence at the, uh, at the other side of it. But it's just like, still, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm already that all the time already. I found that the with the being with the the peyote that, that got to that other side and it was just like oh wow, this is the silence that passeth, the peace that passeth all understanding. 
you know, that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, it's like with the different kind of plant medicines and things, there's so many different things that you can read or that you can talk about. And ultimately that silence and like connectivity within the heart space in the silence mm -hmm. is the, you know, it's the least dramatic and for me the best. Mm -hmm. There's, that's like the, the, such a, a gift that it can, you know, help us to remember mm -hmm. that. And, and then when you're in that, it it's becomes really apparent that it's always there. Mm -hmm. It's always here. There's nothing else. There's only that. That's always here. It's the only thing that's constant. It's mm -hmm. steady, you know. And ideally, when we're in those kind of states, it's it's to stay with it, mm -hmm. you know. And like use that as a springboard to to retrain our mind to return there, mm -hmm. you know. Mind's always looking for the job, so give it the job to shut the fuck up and go back there, mm -hmm. you know, here. Hey, there's no cursing on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please be quiet. And As Elizabeth would say, no weak words. Sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, ultimately it's like the, you know, it's just like anything else with life. It's like it's fun to... It's fun to have the active experience, and yet we're, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to feel happy all the time. And, and ultimately, I think happiness is, is I, I'm, I'm give myself permission to feel really good. Yeah. You know, and then remember the things that help me to stay in that place, and the fluctuations aren't really... Uh, become less and less sought after or desirable, mm -hmm. you know, ideally, at least for me, you know. Yeah. I still like to have a lot of fun and mm -hmm. whatever, but but it's like that's the, the, the key, mm -hmm. you know. And sort of like if there is any point, I think that's, that's the point just with all of this. You mm -hmm. know? It's not to prepare for some future thing. It's just mm -hmm. to be really present, and since we seem like we need to do some stuff, yeah. the things that we do help us to stay in that state and make the next steps more um, beautiful or tasty or whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the whole, like, I've been writing an essay for like 15 years. <laughs> called On Surprises. And the whole thing is, it, it's like, it reads like a Nassim Tlaib book, like about black swan events. Cause it's the events that you never see coming that like really shape things. Yeah. Like really shape things. Like I didn't see that coming. And now my, now my life is different. Yeah. And so between, between really knowing that at a deep level, like I'm not saying that at a superficial level, like I really know black swan events changed, like completely changed 
my my routing. And number two, knowing that I haven't known what's best for me. Like God has intervened so many times and has like said, you know, in one way you could say it's like being being surprised by something, but it's just like, oh, you think that's, oh, I'll give you what you want, but nah. And so between those two things, you said something last night that I really resonate with, and it's a, it's like the depth of the most philosophical discussion Mackenzie and I ever have is there's only one choice. There's only like like when talking about free will. <laughs> My deep understanding of how surprises occur and what occurs post-surprise. And then my deep understanding and recognizing that I don't have enough information to really understand what is the best course of action. And so between those two pillars, <laughs> there's this, there's this funneling of life occurring and the free will in life is really just submitting to God's will. Like really, th that's the only choice. It's apparently like we're doing this, that, and the other, and we're doing all this stuff. And and I'm not trying to be a fatalist, and I'm not trying to be like somebody that's like, you know, you're, you're, you're governed by the luminaries or anything like that. It's, it's so much more subtle than that. There's the appearance that there's this consistent choice to do that, 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 that. But in reality, you're, you only have one choice. One real choice. And then the paradox is, once that one choice is made, then there's the recognition that... It's not your choice. Is that your choice? And it's, it's amazing. Like, it's like, I mean, you know how my mind works. It's like been the thing that I've been mulling over forever. It's like you and I, how many conversations over the years have we had about that? Especially as for those of you out there that know, Kevin was a, a very high-level athlete. To this day, you're a high-level athlete. And we bonded initially over, we were both college athletes and pro athletes, and he had gotten to a level of mastery in the sense that you could reach the zone pretty much whenever you wanted to, like once you were in the flow of pretty much athletics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this irony with athletes that can reach the zone in, in an athletic endeavor is when you're in the zone, you perform your best, but there's no one there performing it. It's, yeah, it's just watching it. It's just watching it. Giving thanks, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's it's happening, and you're there witnessing it, but you're not the doer. And so you and I bonded on that from like the get is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me, when I'm my best, I'm not doing it. And then it becomes hilarious because on how many other venues has that happened? Like in an emergency situation. Yeah, yeah. There's no thinking, there's no like strategizing. It's pure action. It just pure action occurs and when you look back at it in retrospect, you're like Yeah, how did that happen? Wait a minute. So surprises shape your life. 
when you do perform your best, you're not the one doing it. And there's no choice. The one choice is actually a, a non-choice. And what comprises you supposedly is a hologram. <laughs> Kick it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so let's just uh, turn the video off and just hang, right? <laughs> it's pretty cool, eh? Like when you. You know, I mean, putting it like that, it's like we can all just take like a breath and relax, you know? Because. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because like I, I brought up Nassim Tlaib before, and I, I remember when I got the book, um, what was it called, uh, Anti-Fragile, and I was all up in your earballs, like, dude, because you and I both nerded hard in college around some statistics, like, yeah, like yeah. looking at statistics and how most people don't look at statistics correctly. Like most people will see like, oh my God, this person has made 10 shots in a row they're definitely going to make the 11th. When in reality, if they made 10 shots in a row, more than likely they're going to miss the next shot. And so the seem to leave was so incredible. His first book was Black Swan and that book defined the Black Swan events. And Black Swan means you had you didn't plan for it, you never saw it coming, you didn't know anything about it, it occurs and now everything is different. And one thing that we all shared was 9-11, you know, mm -hmm. that was a black swan event that at least in my, you know, 24-year-old, 25-year-old life, I, I didn't see coming and everything was different after that. These things occurred like COVID, none of us saw that coming the way it came. So that changes so many different aspects of like, you would say like the collective life. And what I really like what you brought up earlier is like, you know, if you make your space beautiful, if you take care of zone zero, you know, and zone one and zone two and make that so beautiful that that emanates this incredible en energy, then the zones outside of that will take care of themselves, even if there is like this crazy collective aspect of energy that's you know more tumultuous or incoherent or whatever mm -hmm. how do you actually see that like as somebody that is like so centered in in your being how do you how do you actually perceive collective consciousness like is that anything that you even give attention to um not so much anymore mm -hmm. um Yeah. It's been really interesting in the past where, where it's like I've, I've felt all kinds of different things and not really understood why because I didn't feel any sort of like direct memory or personal mm -hmm. relationship that made sense with what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. There was no story that I could relate to what I'm feeling. Right. You know? And But more than really like analyzing that or anything, I'm... I'm more in the practice of just like allowing that to flow mm -hmm. without any kind of judgment and not really getting into it, mm -hmm. you know, best I can. And when I'm in a really 
fluid state with that, those things tend to have less of a of an impact on me. Mm -hmm. You know, because ultimately, it's like in my daily life, I want to be as present and and aware as possible with my kids mm -hmm. and with Melissa and my you know what's right in front of me. Right. And so to. Um, resist that or sort of like try to avoid it those feelings or, or even thought patterns that may come out of seemingly nowhere um, to just like allow them without holding on to it or, or expanding on it mm -hmm. like creating some something out of it just let it move along and stay here mm -hmm. you know and so, in that way, it's like it doesn't really, you know, what can you do about that mm -hmm. other than just like stay in your heart and that's how you can affect things. Right. right. And, and so, you know, with that said, I really like time alone in nature. Mm -hmm. Feels really good. Yeah. Especially in the places where I get to hang out because it's like I do feel the, the comfort and the protection and the like juicing me up you yeah know? and and then moving into more urban spaces that 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 tends to like come into my mm -hmm. mind a little bit more but even with that it's like approaching it like a like a video game where it's 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 not really it's it's just this hologram like you're talking about with the, and so you know that silence is still here mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what's going on how many honking horns or loud air conditioning units or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the, like, practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Being in the car with the windows closed, with, in the rain with the kids not getting along, it's like... <laughs> was it Balsakar that was talking about that? Like, you know, getting shit tested, like, after he oh thought he gosh, was enlightened? Like, having a couple kids, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, so great. So, yeah. Um, so, this just kind of came in to the, that I feel like sharing about because you, you brought up the Black Swan events. <laughs> and when you said that initially, I immediately went to like a personal black swan event, mm -hmm. right? More so than things that may impact the, the culture or whatever. Right. And like, let's say 9-11 as an example, for some people that's both, right? Mm -hmm. They were there or they have a family member or they have some particularly personal relationship to whatever they experienced. Mm -hmm. So it may be more or less impactful. Some people died. Some, you know, there's like intense shit that people are dealing with physically. Sorry, sorry, ah, Ellie. That's a weak word, Daddy. Hey, sorry, that's Ellie. A, that's a weak word. Um, it's all your fault. <laughs> you, you started all that. Um, so, for me, the most impactful Black Swan event, I would say, you know, or I should say, the most dramatic mm -hmm. one in my life probably is uh 
I'm, I also feel fortunate with my work and my lifestyle to, to be inundated with black swan events. Yes. It's extremely humbling, and that's partly why I'm drawn to, to the things that I'm drawn to, is, is, is to just like help me remember that, that I don't know what's coming, mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't need to. Right. You know, to just be here and, and like chill, be quiet. And the, like growing up, I, I was pretty healthy. I was a pretty happy kid, you know, super healthy and, and pretty satiated, I would say. And growing up in South Texas, where I went to um, elementary and junior high school was a, a, a really huge uh, cow pasture. And then the, the, the school bought parts of it they had cows in some area and then they had all these soccer fields and a little area of woods and stuff and then behind the schools when I was just finishing junior high school they built the largest Southern Baptist church mm -hmm. maybe in the United States hallelujah at that time now there's these massive churches all over and so anyway it, it had an impact on on my school Mm -hmm. You know, it's like because now all these different kids could walk there and even from the high school you could be there very quickly and So a number of my friends were going to the youth group, right the uh, young life they call it mm -hmm. and and we're like really charged up about it and everything and and My family we didn't grow up going to church except for Christmas and Easter and mm -hmm. I felt like my mom was particularly like spiritually oriented, but found it mostly through nature, and you know she had some not so fun experiences in Catholic school as a kid, and was just like you know mm -hmm. we can and and uh, so I had a, 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 a different friends that w would like want to talk to me about what happened and and. Uh, youth group the day before or whatever and in the course of like a month I had three different friends want to have like this kind of serious conversation with me mm -hmm. and seemingly unbeknownst to each other I don't we never actually spoke about it and each of them started by saying do you believe in God and I was like yeah you know and then the third one the conversation got like really deep and really vulnerable it was really cool mm -hmm. you know it was a good friend of mine and I was like, man, I don't even really know what that means. Mm -hmm. And it feels so important to me to not, to, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had doubt, that I wasn't, a, I was saying, yeah, of course, or whatever, but, but it wasn't like 100% mm -hmm. through me, yes, of course. Right. You know? And then it's like, okay, well, what, what does that actually mean? Like, what is God? What, what, what am I even saying? Right. You know? And, uh, and I couldn't get it out of my head. It was just like this, what, you know, like, mm -hmm. you have to, like, you, you, I'm not going to answer that question in the same way until I know. Mm -hmm. And I need to know, like, I need to know now, you know? Right. It was like this thing that just, like, hit me. And about a week later, 
I'll give you the abbreviated version of this. I'm with some friends waiting for another friend of mine to come pick us up or to come meet us. It was the first time that we were driving. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the first one of my friends to get a driver's license. Oh, that's so great. Dad had a new Honda Accord with like, you know, rad sound system. Mm -hmm. So there's five of us in the new Honda Accord and we're so happy. It's first week of summer, freedom, wheels. Yeah. And we were super clean kids. We were six, I was 16. I think everybody was about 16, same grade or whatever. And we were planning to go play basketball at an outdoor court at night, mm -hmm. right? It, it, at the front of my buddy's neighborhood, it's a cool place. And we could be loud and stuff if we wanted to be. And we were all ballers. And so we were waiting on one other friend to meet us at Grandy's. It's like a chicken place, you know? Mm -hmm. And we were in Grandy's for an hour or something, and we were so happy. We were, we were laughing so hard, we were, I, I was crying, you know? Yeah. Like, awesome, fun, right? Mm -hmm. Our friend never shows up. It was before cell phones were a thing. So we're outside, we're just, so they, they close, they're closing up, and we're... We're waiting for our friend on the sidewalk for a little bit. Like, you know, let's give him five more minutes, you know. And while we're waiting on the sidewalk, this car drives by, and they go to the end of the parking lot. It's kind of a shopping center. And they look back, and they're screaming at us. And we couldn't tell if it was guys or girls or what. It was like a little kind of nice car. And, and so then they drove by again, same thing. Couldn't tell who, couldn't see anybody. It's all tinted windows and everything. So I step out in the road and I, and I hold up my arms like, we can't, and I say, we can't hear you. If you want to talk to us, come closer, right? Mm -hmm. And then go back to joking around with my friends. We're like, hey, homeboy's not showing up, let's go. Mm -hmm. We get in the car, we're joking around with each other. The car drives by as we're getting into the car. They, they're yelling at us again. But again, it's like the first week of summer. It's kind of like mm -hmm. a festive. We're feeling really festive. Yeah. And... And so we get in the car, and we're kind of like on the edge of our territory where there's more shopping malls and stuff and, and, and bigger roads, you know? And, uh, and where we live was like where the suburbs hit the farms. Mm -hmm. So it's like forest and uh, rice fields and stuff like that. Yeah. Cow pastures. And... Uh, and here we're more in the, we're in the burbs, in the, whatever, the matrix grid system fully. And we get in the car, and as we're leaving, the car, the other car that had driven by a few times comes right behind us. Mm -hmm. And I'm with four other guys that are all tough dudes, right? Mm -hmm. We were like doing these crazy trainings and we're like yeah. going for it, right? Really good basketball players. And really good friends and we're just laughing and joking around and then it just shot through me like oh man i think that car might be guys that want to fight mm -hmm. none of us were people that got in fights none of us were using alcohol or anything we were just like sports dudes right yeah and and so we all kind of like looked at each other and we're like Oh my gosh, there's five of us smushed in this little car. We're all super tough. Like, we don't have anything to worry about if that happens, you know? Yeah. 
and one of the guys said something like that. Not in a real arrogant way. These aren't like yeah, it was just macho obvious. guys, right? Yeah, it's just it was just like oh wow, okay, we're 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 cool. So I get the brilliant idea. Hey guys, should I should I flick them off? And they're like yeah yeah whatever because they did inventory. It's just like it doesn't matter. And none of us really thought that I was accurate to begin with, you know. Mm -hmm. But so I I I, I did. I reached my arm out the window and shot my middle finger up in the air and then almost immediately forgot about it. My friend makes some silly ass comment and here we go, joking mm -hmm. around again. We pull out, we're like a boulevard, two lanes going this way, two lanes going this way. We go around the, take a left, we're going back to go play ball. Mm -hmm. It's like nine o'clock at night. We get to the stoplight, the cars, a few cars behind us. We go through the stoplight, all the cars kind of disperse, a bunch of cars turn. And then we're just cruising by ourselves, and the car pulls up next to us and started just unloading guns. Right? When I first heard that, none of us were, that was so far out of our realm, right? And of every single person there. Mm -hmm. So it was like, what is that, you know? And I turn and I look over and I see the flash, flashes, mm -hmm. and turned back so that my, I was like here and my, my two friends are sitting in the back seat beside me, yeah. other friends driving, other friends in the, and it's like a lot of gunshots, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so I, pretty quickly knew that I was hit at least once mm -hmm. and it's a very unique feeling it's hard mm -hmm. to describe um, it's not as painful as a lot of other things that I've experienced as far as like the impact because it's just goes mm -hmm. right through you you know um, it's a different kind of thing and and then so but I in the moment that I realized I had been hit this like deep calm just like immediately flushed through my system and total clarity mm -hmm. and not panic right you know and and I leaned forward and I was like dude you okay you can drive yeah 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 I think so I think so because he, he started to swerve off the road and right. I was like oh my gosh man like, did he get hit no there was a, a bullet that was like a millimeter from his sacrum stuck in the seat and but no he wasn't hit and uh, ultimately it turned out just the guy right beside me was hit in his wrist but so I lean forward and the guy that's driving's in shock obviously you know and so um, I know where we are mm -hmm. so we're so close to the hospital just keep going straight yeah and so I'm given my really close friend instructions on driving mm -hmm. and like hey, it's okay to run the red light right now. Like, I'm hit, let's go. And so we go, and within like three minutes, we're pulling into the emergency entrance to the, the hospital. Mm -hmm. We pull in right behind an ambulance. The ambulance in front of us, uh, the, the, the two guys in the front seat jump out. One guy was, was still in denial that we were even shot. He was certain it was fireworks, you mm -hmm. know, until he turned around and saw my finger dangling from mm -hmm. itself yeah and and uh 
And so I say, hey, check with those guys, you know? And so they jump out, they go, and the two guys come out of the ambulance. They open the back of the ambulance. It's empty with a totally clean gurney, gurney there. Yeah. They pull the gurney out. My friends beside me get out. I know the one guy said, I don't know how bad or where exactly. I can see his hands bleeding, but I don't know what's going on with him. And, you know, these are like closest mm -hmm. friends. And, uh, and so I'm really preoccupied with him because I felt good, mm -hmm. you know. I'm trying to open my door, but my door won't open because it was all shut up, blown up, yeah. you know. And so just in sliding over to the other side of the back seat, I lost power mm. in my body. I could see perfectly, my mind was working, my brain was working perfectly, I could talk, I could turn my head, mm -hmm. but I had no power in my, the rest of my body. Mm -hmm. And so the guys just like immediately pulled me out of the car onto the gurney, cut my shirt off, my shorts, I'm just sitting there in boxers and they're just pressing against all these holes in my mm -hmm. body. You know? I think in total there's four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine places that I'm bleeding out of, mm -hmm. you know? And ultimately six bullets, but more holes because some of them went through my limbs. And, and so I'm laying there and feel really good somehow. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, like really peaceful, mm -hmm. you know. And so we go in. They have those, this nurse comes up. She's walking behind me, and they keep asking me questions over and over. What's my name? What's my mom's name? What's my address? What's my phone number? Da, 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 da. Over and over and over. And I'm going, man, like, I got a lot going on here. It's like you don't have to keep asking me these questions. Like, I'm mm -hmm. okay. Like, focus on the yeah blood that's pouring everywhere. You know. <laughs> and ultimately, I said that the guy was like, really thought it was really strange, but I didn't realize that I had a big gash in the back of my head that was just like tons of blood going into this pillow. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. There's so there's so many uh, things that happened all at the same time that it's like the brain can't seem to compute mm -hmm. all of it. So from a pain perspective, all I was feeling was my broken finger mm -hmm. and this like hollow sort of thing that's probably because of being all the blood, blood leaving out yeah, of my Yeah, being bloodless. Right? It's just like hollow feeling that's going deeper they push me into the ICU you know there's people all over me they stick a tube down my throat because I'm spitting up all kinds of blood ultimately I had a bullet stuck in the center of my throat and that had gone through a lung and almost hit my heart and all these different things and uh, but stayed completely lucid the whole time like no break in consciousness no break mm -hmm. in eyesight or or awareness of the environment and so I'm in there eventually my mom shows up obviously like that was probably harder for her than it was for me and the friend that I was waiting on at the Grandy shows up there who's like a mentor for me and and these nurses and doctors are in there and the main doctor keep is like going through the chart and looking and giving some instructions and then he disappears and another doctor comes in and they're having to keep this tube in my throat so that I can breathe because mm -hmm. you know there's like material coming out it's not just liquid blood mm -hmm. and and uh, then the second doctor leaves and 
you know, there's probably six people on top of me here with hands everywhere just trying to fix stuff and get me hooked up to an IV and mm -hmm. all these things. And the second doctor leaves and then, and then a third doctor, a different doctor comes in and he walks in holding the chart and I'm looking because of how I'm oriented with those hospital beds a little bit tilted up and I can't really move. So I'm just like staring at this guy walking through the door, observing him. And he's looking at the chart and then he looks at me. He doesn't look in my eyes. He looks from my feet up and he goes, holy shit. And he drops the mm -hmm. clipboard yeah. on the floor, turns around and left. In that moment, I realized the first doctor never came back. Mm. There's a lot of people there, so it's like, yeah. you know, first doctor never came back, the second doctor never came back. They went to get that guy. Mm -hmm. Game over, this is over. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is the end of my life you mm -hmm. know, right now. And in the moment that that like settled into that, into my cells, I turned and I looked at my mom and she looked really beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. And then this like wave of, of kind of like, uh, all, kind of all the colors of the rainbow. Yeah. Like, like, like if you had a little Petri dish and you, and you move the, and it's got a little bit of water in there and you move it, there's like a wave that goes, and even though it's circular, it kind of bounces around, yeah. right? And so it's like that, that wave just like washed her away mm -hmm. and it was just white. And then I look at the next person, whoosh. And by the time I got halfway around the room, I, I got the picture, you know, mm -hmm. nothing. Turned, I looked up at the fluorescent light right above me and like, was like, okay, and relaxed. And as soon as I relaxed, like another, I was really relaxed, but as soon as it went another level, mm -hmm. I was like immediately like went up through the fluorescent, those big rectangular lights. Mm -hmm. And then everything was like, it was, it was, there was no form. Uh, there were, there were, there were no people, there was no memories, there was no stories, there was no, ancestors or anything there's mm -hmm. no, no, no nothing familiar other than it was really beautiful it was kind of like being up in the clouds actually mm -hmm. but like really beautiful golden and sort of kind of like the golden hour lighting yeah. you know side effects and 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 i had no thought it's only in retrospect that i could speak about it in exactly. this way it was just yes. a pure experience you know and and as soon as i broke into that or just like floated into that realm was it was like the entrance was like somebody bringing you if you got a chill and somebody brings you the coziest most beautiful perfect blanket that you've ever encountered mm -hmm. ever that's been made with pure love mm -hmm. was just like draped over my whole awareness mm -hmm. you know and i still had uh, i could see but I didn't have any association with a body or not having a body or anything like that. There was no, mm -hmm. there was no weight, you know, and, and that loving 
peace just is so subtle and yet somehow it seemed to just increase you know which is only good there's yes. nothing but goodness you know and it just increased and increased and increased and then, and then I had this sense of like a, a being or some sort of central energy point and that I was moving towards it and or that it was moving towards me or we were coming together you know and then in my visual landscape I can see this like more golden sort of light and it's coming closer and it's like time and space and speed and it's, it's, it's very smooth mm -hmm. gradual and timeless I don't know how long I was there you know and um, and then out of nowhere this voice what do you want mm. and then all of a sudden thought arrived mm -hmm. I don't ever want to leave right right and then pretty much immediately that light started to recede and I started to move back knowing mm -hmm. that I'm going back you know? yeah and then in a it was completely fluid it was just all of a sudden I opened my eyes back in this body mm -hmm. and felt the same mm -hmm. very different visual environment yeah right I open my eyes there's a different doctor standing right in front of me as soon as I open my eyes he looks straight in my eyes and he goes you're gonna be just fine mm -hmm. you're okay and then went back to work and I was observing him and it's like this is a Jedi yeah yeah like not only did I feel his heart when he said that in one second but mm -hmm. it's like oh man this guy's this is a masterful person here right yeah you know? And, and so that, that like tremendously smooth, peaceful, loving feeling was like stayed really present for me for months, mm -hmm. but it was particularly potent in the following few weeks, you know, mm -hmm. and talk about a black swan event, you know, yeah. like I did not see that coming. No. And, and it's like, okay, you know, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty violent black swan. It is. And yet, man, it answered my question. Mm -hmm. I think. It did. Right? Yeah. And, and so ever since then, I've had this like, it's a really wonderful point of reflection mm -hmm. and contemplation, you know? a lot of different aspects of it for me personally are like part of my own investigation into like what do I want mm -hmm. or not want right you know because they're both the same thing ultimately right like mm -hmm. the, the poles seem to beget each other mm -hmm. and so that's one thing but the, the 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 more ongoing thing is just like you know how did how did that happen and what is that and what am I and you know all of a sudden I'm in a completely different environment mm -hmm. but I'm still the, the 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 awareness that I'm associated with predominantly in my throughout my whole life is still here mm -hmm. and yet every 
other thing that ha that I'm experiencing through my senses is totally different, mm -hmm. you know, and awesome. And I was dead. Yeah. Sort of, you know. Right. Like not really because. I think there's a different level of finality to yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Yes. And and so, it brought a it has brought a tremendous amount of comfort mm -hmm. for me, you know. And so it's like the comforter. It's like mm -hmm. the peace. The 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 like everything's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the worst case of the worst case scenarios was actually like the most beautiful. Yeah. Thing I've ever experienced. So. It, it pain and these different things like it's it's temporal it's temporal mm -hmm. you know it's it, it, it's it's okay it'll pass mm -hmm. and somehow there's this sense that that doesn't pass it never it never leaves mm -hmm. you know and and that's so, the eternal and so the that that eternal nature is so incredibly loving and benevolent mm -hmm. and trumps anything yeah. that I've ever witnessed or experienced of, of the world. And so it's like, okay, here we are, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's make the most of this. Let's yeah. enjoy and, and be really, you know, get out of the story of, of how things were or how things are supposed to be or what's the next and just like take in what's here. Mm -hmm. Because we never know when, when it's, it's, it's gonna, drastically change or come to some sort of ending which is at least in my opinion a new beginning you know yeah and yet there was never a beginning or an end anyway mm -hmm. somehow you know and so what do we what do we do mm -hmm. yeah and it's like do my best to just be really present and and that's it you know, and I feel like the 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 acute presence that was sort of like forced upon me, and it was so cool too because it's like I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't do anything. It just happened. Right. So there's there's no way I can go like oh yay like I did it. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> it just happened, and 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 it's happening. And so when in my experience when I'm really present with no agenda other than just being present mm -hmm. obviously we got things to do sometimes it's like okay i got five minutes i can sit here and then i gotta bounce and whatever but in that five minutes am i going to be here or am i going to be in the thing that i got to do in five minutes right and that experience was so helpful for me and just like putting me in the present and mm -hmm. and helping me be so thankful for the most simple things and the most the, the 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 possibility that's here when somebody comes into my space and like what's possible mm -hmm. what is this interaction you know is mm -hmm. it just some mundane thing mm -hmm. or is there this magic's everywhere it's inescapable yeah. and so like can i keep my mind and my heart open enough to be in that kind of mysterious beauty all mm -hmm. the time right and and that's kind of it, yeah. Thank you for, I mean, I never heard that full extent. I didn't know that there was that precursor question in your mind 
before that black swan event of getting shot that is so power like it was very fast dude that deepens the whole thing from my perspective like that's just so significant I mean, also with my my work now and and role at different times, it's like, what what are we doing with prayer? Uh -huh. You know, you can put on certain clothes and wear a certain mm -hmm. persona, but the sincere question is it? Mm -hmm. In my experience, in my opinion, oh. you know. The, the sincere question, the humility to ask mm -hmm. without an expectation, without knowing what that might even be, right? is, you know, that's the, that's the doorway. And when I get in my, move away from that, it's hard to find the door. Yeah. Know? But it's always open. There's no, there is no door even. Mm -hmm. It's just the, the, the illusory mm -hmm. separateness that makes us think we need a doorway or any of that stuff mm -hmm. so you know that propelled into a space of of, of no of unity mm -hmm. no separation and that way it's feels good that, and we all experience that you know everybody everybody Everyone has experienced that and will experience it. And it's in these little moments sometimes that aren't so dramatic. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's the point. Is mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It's not about that. Right. It's not about some big future thing. It's just like, right now. Mm -hmm. Well, it's magnificent. I think we should uh, wrap wrap it up on that yeah that, that feels so good yeah i agree i really appreciate you sharing is there any place that people could uh, at least online find your work or anything like that no <laughs> <laughs> well for those of you out there that would like to contact uh, you can contact topher <laughs> yeah yeah topher hq um yeah man thank you so much i really appreciate anytime i get to spend any time with you i'm i'm so appreciative me so. too man yeah yeah and thanks for all the work that you're doing getting sharing the stuff that turns you on because yeah. it's good for all of us man yeah good work yeah well thank you for introducing me to half the things i'm into <laughs> i appreciate that wow <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Kevin O'Neill. Uh, one thing that he didn't speak about in the podcast that's very important is that the surgeon that was there that saved his life uh, was not from that hospital. Uh, he it was his actually his first shift and he had been the head trauma surgeon at in Houston. And Kevin lived about 40 minutes outside of Houston. So this was this guy's first first, uh, I guess you call it shift at this particular hospital. And to have that type of gunshot wound, Kevin wouldn't be here without somebody with that expertise. And that just deepens the whole understanding that we really don't, the, there are fates in life. There really are. And yes, we do have a modicum of, of free will and just look at your life there are so many things like with this specific example 
if this gentleman hadn't re retired from the other hospital and then just was picking up educational shifts at, at, at where Kevin was deposited, he'd be gone. And because that man was there, Kevin ended up living and being a wonderful teacher and mentor to many people and uh, has a wonderful family. And it's just like, you can't control those things. So that's something I really wanted to impress upon people is that trust, like really trust in God's plan because there is a plan for you. And it's interesting, the more you trust, the more thy will instead of my will occurs, then you're kind of put in this brilliant, graceful cut of life. And that grace will propel you to exactly what you need. It might not be what you want, but it's definitely what you need. So thanks again for joining the podcast. We have a bunch of really excellent guests. I think next I'll be posting uh, the podcast with Chance Garten. We did that live. I'm going to Kentucky next week. I'm going to try and sit with Ken Wheeler, if he'll have me. And uh, we're going to geek hard on mag magnetics if possible. Uh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. And yeah, I really like speaking with people in vivo. It's a... Uh, I, I just prefer that. So if I can do that, I will. So hopefully we have Ken Wheeler. Uh, we're going to have Big Bear on. Um, yeah, we're just going to get into it. And uh, I've had a couple of interviews fall through, but nothing that hasn't been able to be rescheduled. So thanks again for everything. If you appreciate what I'm doing, reciprocate at the donate page. Uh, we also have a buy me a coffee uh, and PayPal if you want to donate. And I'm going to be processing all of the rocket retorts. So if you want a rocket retort, just reach out to me and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again for everything and I will see you next week. You You ought to know about